worship. Ooh, yeah. We can put our hands together like this if you want to. Praise the one who redeemed our lives from the pit. Separated us from our sin. Right here. Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took
up like this. Clap your hands, all you people, because we have every reason to rejoice, to fix our eyes on the one who called us out of darkness and into marvelous light. So come on, sing this with me right here. Wandering into the night, wanted a place to hide this weary soul. Try with all of my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. This is where we were without Jesus, right? And just when I ran out of the road, I met a man I didn't know, and he told me. But to believe my doubts are burning Like ashes in the wind So long to my old friends Burdens and bitterness Just keep it moving All we say You ain't welcome
this lasts forever. Right here. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's lift our hands and sing of his goodness this morning, right here. Because all my life you have been free. Come on, church. Not just my life, but this year. All my life 
God, this morning we think back to 2023 and we look ahead to 2024. And one of the things that surrounds us that we're swimming in today is your faithfulness, God. You are the rock. You have never let us down. For some of us this morning, we're celebrating the fact that you sustained us through a really, really hard year. For some of us, we're thanking you for your faithfulness to forgive us, that you didn't give up on us. God, for others of us, we're thankful that you provided for us, that we have a roof over our head, we have meals every day, that you put breath in our lungs. God, everything that we have, everything that we enjoy is because of you and your faithfulness. God, you're everything to us. And this morning, we just delight in worshiping you together, being together as your people. So good. You know, my wife and I, we, um, we welcomed home two of our college kids over the holidays back into the house. And it was this amazing feeling. Those of you who are parents of adult kids, you know that feeling when they're all back in the house. You kind of, ah, everything's so good. And you just delight in those moments. And I have to, have to think that that's in us because that's a little glimpse of how God feels when we gather as his people on a Sunday morning or first Wednesday or whatever. God goes, there they are, my people. They delight he delights in us as we delight in him. And maybe you came in this morning wondering like, what's God's disposition towards me as I step into this place? You know, maybe you haven't been to church in a while. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know really where I stand with God. You know what? You don't have to wonder. God's disposition towards you is one of welcome. That's my son, that's my daughter, whom I love, welcome. He's so happy to see us, to see you. It's so good, so, so good. You know. This morning, as, as we're thinking about the year ahead, uh, the year that's gone by, I can't help but think that God's invitation to us is, will you embrace the new things I'm going to place in your life this year? The new things that I have for you this year. You know, it's true that God is the God of the impossible, that he can do anything, that we're never stuck. But sometimes it takes the, just the turning of the calendar for us to remember. Like, wow, there's a new thing that God wants to do in me right? Maybe it's this, this is the year where we let go of that bitterness towards the person that, that hurt us. Maybe there's a new healing that's going to take place in a relationship in your life that you once was broken and now there's hope, right? Who knows, right? The, the possibilities because of who God is. And we're going to pray into that in a minute. And, I, and I'm also thinking about the new things God's going to do in our city, right? through our church, through the body of Christ as a whole, thinking of our partners down at Springs Rescue Mission, all the amazing things that are going on down there, the new things that we're gonna see in people's lives who were defined by homelessness are now going to be defined by the love of God this year because of the new things God is doing and will do, always will do. So let's pray to that end as we get ready to receive our tithes and offerings. God, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting chills just thinking about the possibilities because of who you are, are endless. There is no dead ends because of you. There's no hopeless person because of who you are. There is no hopeless situation because of who you are. Even the, even the sad endings in the natural, Lord, we know that there's hope because of you, that you're always working redemption. 
So this morning as we give, God, we just thank you for the abundance in our lives and we wanna worship you with our tithes and offerings this morning. And we say yes to the new things that you wanna do in our lives, in our church, in our city and around the world. And everybody together said, amen. Let's worship church. God, a God who's given us a hope and a future. And the phrase keeps echoing in my spirit today that from the old hymn, Greatest of Faithfulness, it says, strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Emmanuel, God with us, who's come down low to meet with us, to encounter us, for us to encounter him. And we have every reason to walk into the next year full of hope and wonder of who God is, amen? Amen. amen. Well, friends, Pastor Eddie Hoagland is gonna come and bring the word this morning. But before he does, can you just take a second, turn to those around you, wish them a happy new year, and greet them in the name of the Lord. Good morning, I'm Becky. We're so glad you're here with us today at New Life North. My name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. And if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, be sure and make a comment and let us know where you're watching from. Yes. Grab your Bible, grab a pen, grab a notebook, grab your favorite coffee. It's time to lean in and hear an amazing message.
Well, hey, hey, New Life Church, it sure is good to see you. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Eddie. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Church. And um, it has been so good to be in the presence of God together on the last day of the year, worshiping Jesus. That's how we want to end our year, worshiping Jesus together. And we also want to start the year that way. That's why we have first Wednesday in January. But this, uh, this next month, it won't be this Wednesday. It'll be the Wednesday after that. So I want to make sure everyone knows that. Don't come this Wednesday, you will be a little disappointed if you do, so make sure you come on January 10th, 6.30, right back in this room as we kick off a new year together, praying and worshiping Jesus together. Well, I can't believe that we're just a few hours away from the end of 2023. It will, it will be no more after midnight tonight. And uh, every year, you know, it has a mixed bag of emotions. There's the good, there's the painful things in there, and, and I get all that. But um, it's kind of a, a special year for me in this specific way that I'm preaching on the last day of the year, and I also got to preach on January 1st of this year, if you were here earlier this year. And so it's like, what an awesome thing to get to do, like preach the first day of the year and to get to preach the last day of the year. And I, you know, I take that really seriously. And so I've been praying, Lord, what do you want me to you know, preach on at the, at the very end of the year? And on January 1st, I preached the message called God is doing something new. And that was a really forward-facing message. Um, and as I prayed over what, what I should pray today, I felt the Lord say, I want you to preach the other side of the same coin. Um, it's, not, it's not the opposite message. It's simply the other side of the same idea because we need to, yes, look forward into what God's doing. But today here, just for a moment, we're going we're gonna to look back and, and identify what are the things we actually need to leave behind in 2023. What are the things that after today we should say, today's the day it stays there. It stays in 2023. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, leaving this year behind, leaving this year behind. But before we do that, let me, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are here and we welcome your presence with praise. We have lifted up these songs to say you are the one who's worthy of them. Uh, you are the one who is faithful. You are the one who never lets us down. And we have found that to be true. And so our hearts are full of gratitude today because we have found you to be a good God. You have been so kind to us in the highs and in the lows. The only thing maybe that was consistent in those two things, God, was you. You were there. You saw it all. You walked through it all with us. And that's why we give thanks. That's why we bring praise. And so today, Lord, as we dive into your word, we, we open our hearts. I pray that you would speak what you want to speak today. Pray that the, the words on the pages would jump out at us, that your Holy Spirit would be convicting, would be guiding, would be doing all the things only your spirit can do. So Lord, if there's anything you don't want me to say, I pray that you'd remove it from my mind right now. If there's anything I need to lean into, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would guide me in these next few minutes. And we all together, we submit to whatever you want to do today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right, here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. The word of the Lord says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, 
and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you and I will not grow weary and lose heart. That is the reason why these verses are written. The author does not want you, he does not want me to get so tired that you start losing heart as you enter into the next part of this race that you're running. And honestly, that's not the easiest thing to do year after year. I've now lived long enough um, that when I come into a new year, honestly, sometimes it's hard to walk into the new year with expectation because you feel like when you do that, then the next year can just, you know, take its shots at you and you're surprised by this or surprised by that and ends up being way harder year than you expected. And so one of the things that can affect us is it's harder and harder for us to walk into the new year expecting the newness to show up because we've seen all these other things happen. And this is why I believe it's the two sides of the same coin. We have to walk into the new thing, but we also have to let go of what has passed in order and hold both those things in our hands in order to enter into everything God has for us. You know, I'll be honest, the last 10 years, I would say, God's been having to teach me how to walk into New Year's when I walk into the New Year and there are a bunch of things in my heart that still aren't resolved or healed yet. That it's not something that I could just focus on for a few months or a few weeks and say, God, this is what I need healing in. Um, I, I can do the work of prayer. I can do all the things that God asked me to. And yet I get to the New Year and it's like, man, there's still that. And there's still that. And there's still this broken relationship. And and part of growing in the Lord is realizing that many of the things that God is doing, they're, they're not all going to have the chapter mark right at a new year, right? There are things that God is doing over the course of many years, and I want all the healing that God has for you. But some of those things are going to take a, a longer amount of time. I don't know exactly why some things are fast, some things are slow. I don't know the answer, but I know that God's in all of it because I've seen him to work that way. And so this is why as we enter into the new year, I'm, I'm hoping this message will add courage to you. That, that instead of saying, you know what, I'm only going to be discouraged. No, I, I want you to have strength to say, no, I will choose today to enter into everything 2024 has to offer that God has for me in that year. But we're not going to be able to do that if we don't leave this year behind. We're not going to be able to get to the end of the year without being tired or losing heart unless we do what Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to do. So you already saw in the passage that uh, the picture being used is that we're running a race, that we are in a race. And so, you know, what exactly is the picture being painted here? Well, at the time when the book of Hebrews is written, running a race would be like a, an event, a public event. They would have these athletic events in stadiums, much like this one, this right here on screen. This is the Panathenaic Stadium. I had to practice that word a few times this week. Um, that is in Athens, Greece, and it still exists today. It was originally built in the year 330 BC, before Christ, and then it's been rebuilt and refurbished a couple times since then. But it was built before Christ, and the book of Hebrews is written somewhere in the 50s, most likely AD. And so, when the writer says, you're running this race, this is the kind of place we should have in mind that we are on that track. We are the people running on a track like that, and that track is the track of faith in God. But thankfully, you see that it's a stadium, and so there's, there's 50,000 seats in that stadium. So as we're running, we're not alone because you're not the first person to run this race. 
And you're not going to be the last person to run this race. As you and I run our race of faith in God, we can lift up our eyes as we're running. And if you look out to the stands, you will see that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of men and women who have already run their race of faith in God. And that's why the passage starts with the word, therefore, he's referencing back to chapter 11. He's saying, hey, therefore, because of all these people who have already run the race, they are the cloud of witnesses. That's what he's talking about when he says, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And if you were running the race, you'd be running. And if you looked up, you would be able to see people, real people who ran this race, people like Abel, who by faith, he offers his offering to God and people like Enoch, who never tasted death. And you'd see Noah, who built an ark, even though people would make fun of him and they would mock him for it. By faith, he still builds the ark. And then you'd see Abraham and, and Sarah who, who gave birth when it seemed impossible for her to give birth. And, and Abraham who offers his son Isaac to God. Then you'd, you'd see Isaac who, who blesses Jacob and Esau. And then you see Jacob who blesses the sons of Joseph. And then you'd see Joseph who by faith predicted the exodus from Egypt. You'd see, you'd see Moses' family who by faith they protect Moses and they put him in that river so that he can be safe. And then you see Moses, when he grows up by faith, he leads the people of Israel out of Egypt because he had more faith in God than he had fear of Pharaoh's anger. And by faith, all the people of Israel, they walk across the Red Sea on dry land by faith. And, and Rahab, she welcomes these, these spies by faith. And then the writer says, I don't even have time to tell you about all these people. There's also Gideon and Barak and Samson and, and uh, Jephthah and you know, all these, David, all these other people. He's like, I don't have enough time to tell you about all the men and women who have lived by faith. But I love how in chapter 11, he says this in verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. And that's our goal. What's the example of these people from chapter 11? Why does he say, therefore we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses? It's because all those people, when they died, they were still living by faith. And that's what we should want. That's what it looks like to live life in God, that you make it to the finish line still living by faith, meaning I'm still banking everything on God. All my trust, everything, I'm putting it on God and not on myself. And so we're running on this track and we look up and we see all these witnesses, which they're witnesses, not meaning that they're just like these passive spectators. They're witnesses in the sense that they're leaning in too. Like they're looking at us right now and they're saying, come on, you can do it too. You can make it to the end with faith in God. They're adding everything they can. They're cheering us on so that we make it to the end. Now that it's our turn, but because of the time that we live, we also live with another example. And that is the example of the Son of God himself, who he left heaven and he comes to earth. And then he runs the race he was called to run. And he does everything that the Father asked him to do and he makes it to the end of his race by dying on a cross and by resurrecting after three days. This is the example of Jesus, and because he makes it to the finish line victorious, that's why he's the champion of our faith. He's the hero. There's no other hero in the faith of Christianity besides Jesus Christ. That, that is our hero. He is our greatest example, and he is the one standing at the finish line. We're running a race. He's standing at the finish line, and it's already won. But we're still running. Why? <laughs> Because during this run that you and I are in, God is changing us. God is molding us into what he wants us to be. So this race is worth running for him. 
It's an act of worship to run this race. And he is standing there at the finish line. And what he's saying is, don't lose heart. Take heart, like take courage. You can make it to the end. And because we're now coming to another lap around the corner as we finish a year, I want us to consider what would it mean for us to leave this year behind? What are the things we need to let go of in order to enter into everything God has for us? Well, I think there are three things that this passage brings up. Um, The first would be that we're not supposed to get stuck looking back. Don't get stuck looking back. I want you to notice the distinction there in verse one. He said we gotta let, let, let go of everything that hinders and also the sin that entangles. Did you notice that those are two different things? Why the distinction? I think the distinction is being made because not everything that holds you back is bad. Not everything is in the bad category. Some of the things that will hold you back are good things that happened this year. It, it, it not necessarily is bad stuff. This is, it reminds me of what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, when he says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. That's talking about reaching the finish line and getting the prize. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And he's not saying that you can literally like forget everything that's ever happened in the past. That's a different way of saying, I will not allow what has happened to get in the way of what's going to happen. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't let your past come into your present. Because if you bring your past into your present, it will then affect your future. This is not what God has for you. The past is part of it. It's not like we can disappear. It's part of it, but it needs to stay right where it is. It has to stay right there so that you can live in the present. And when you do that, then you can walk into the future that God has for you. That's the principle being taught here in Philippians chapter 3. So... For, to, for us to start this process of what are we letting go, it starts with the idea of letting go of the good things from 2023. You have to be able to move on from them. You can't simply just try to replicate it, just all the good things that have happened in the past. What we're supposed to do, we're supposed to seek God in 2024. We're supposed to be aware of the things that God is wanting to do in 2024. And that won't happen if you're looking back all the time. You know, in high school, I played a little bit of basketball because I, I, I was 6'2 in high school. And when you're 6'2 in high school, you play basketball. It doesn't matter how good you are with a basketball. You're like, you're on the team. Congratulations. You're tall enough. And so they just kind of throw me in the team. And uh, I, I'm not great at basketball. I would say I'm average at best. But, um, and, and our team was also pretty average. But I'll be honest with you guys. The league that we played in, like, it was just pretty bad. So we ended up winning a lot of games, but not because we were great. It was just all the other teams were not doing that great. And I remember when we started the season, we win game one, two, three, four, five. I mean, we just kept on winning and winning and winning. And yet when we got to, like, the game before last, so if it was 10 games per season, this would have been game nine. We show up at game nine, and the team is no harder than any of the other teams we had played. We were for sure the better team. We should have won that game. And yet we lost game nine. And I remember leaving that game and being like, what just happened? Like that team wasn't great. Why did we play so poorly? I got to observe an example of what it's like for you to allow the past to affect your present. See, in that game, we all kind of fell apart. We started making really dumb mistakes. We started missing the easiest shots the whole game. I couldn't believe how bad we played. And the reason we played so bad is because we had the pressure of games one through eight on our backs. 
See, because we had won, we had won, and we're like, oh, we can't lose our winning streak. We allowed the past to come into the present, and we weren't able to even play the game right. We weren't able to do what we were supposed to do as a team because we were playing like this, looking over our shoulder. And in the same way, you can't run a race like this. (laughs) You can't do it. Bad things are going to happen. You have to look forward. That's the principle here. So what does it mean to look forward? It means you don't fixate on anything in the past. So this is a mistake that I think generations in churches make. A, a, a generation in the church experiences a move of God, and then what they try to do is they try to replicate the exact same move of God in the future. But this isn't how God works. When God moves, I want it to be whatever he wants to do. We come with open hands, and we say, God, please, and we, we call his presence down out of heaven and say, God, move, do the things that only you can do, but do it whatever way you want to do. This is why we have to be a praying church so that we're hearing the guidance of church, uh, of the Lord towards our church. And we are that church. That's why we gather and we pray. We want to be a listening church so that we are aware of the things that God wants to do today. This is why I love how Pastor Brady last month, when we were talking about how the debt here at New Life North is paid off, he said, this is not the finish line, it's the starting line. And that's the right perspective. That's such good leadership for us to say, we, we are so thankful for what God has done and we have celebrated and we have marked that moment with gratitude. But now it's the question, what are you doing now, God? We don't wanna miss out because we're just constantly fixated on looking back. You have to look forward. And so for some of you today, that's exactly what you have to do. You need to think of maybe even the mountaintops of 2023, and, and in some way you do have to say, God, I'm, I'm letting that go, in as much as I don't want that to get in the way of whatever's next. I, I will let go of even the good things of 2023. So that's the first thing we do. Second, you need to take off what's weighing you down. Take off what's weighing you down. The phrase in the passage is, let us throw off everything that hinders. A hindrance refers to anything that's heavy, heavy. so it's, it's literally, it's slowing you down because you're carrying it as you're trying to run this race. In the era when Hebrews is written, um, the athletes literally, they wouldn't even wear clothes when they ran races because their idea was, I can't have anything hold me back. I can't have anything slow me down. And that's the, that's the picture we're given here is like, what, what is slowing you down and what do you need to get rid of so that you're, you can run at full speed in 2024? That's a really important question to ask right now. What could possibly slow you down in 2024? What are the things in your life that, that they're really just not for your good? They're not pushing you towards the finish line, but instead they're, they're slowing you down. And obviously there are many things that f- could fit that category, but I wanted to name two because these are the two I see so often. These are the two things that as in, in my years in ministry, I see these things pop up over and over again, and I see the way they've slowed me down, and they slowed so many other of God's children down. And so I want to name it today because I'm, I'm convinced of better things for us. Okay, so here's the first thing I see slowed people down. Um, the first one is bad company. Bad company will slow you down. You know, I grew up in church, and I grew up with friends in church, and I remember we would serve God together, like on stage, you know, on worship teams together, and we would do discipleship ministry together, and, and it is such a bizarre experience to have some of those friends who I grew up serving God with 
Now here today, decades later, they have walked away from the Lord. Like they don't want anything to do with church. They don't want anything to do with God's word. And uh, it's such a unique experience to be like, how is that the same person? And every story obviously has many layers to it. But what I can tell you is that every story that that has happened, that I've gotten to witness in my lifetime, every single one of those stories involves a part in their story where they surrounded themselves with different people. They, didn't stop, they, they weren't hanging around the people who were going to push them towards life in God. They at some point started hanging around people who had different thoughts about what life in God should look like or if life in God is even worth pursuing and they surrounded themselves with different people and that's what led to it. This is why Proverbs 13, 9, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. But the negative is also true for a companion of fools suffers harm. If you surround yourself with fools, meaning people who are not seeking God, they're not seeking the face of God, they're not seeking wisdom, they're not trying to live life the way God says we're supposed to live life. If you surround yourself with those people, you're actually the one who suffers. This is not a heavy word to give to anyone because the heart of this proverb is, I don't want you to suffer. I don't want you to end up at the end of your life regretting the decisions you make with the people you surrounded yourself. And this is why you can never overestimate or really never underestimate the impact that the people surrounding you will have in your life. And so for some of you, if, if we're talking about leaving something behind, you need to leave a certain group of people behind this year. You have to make a choice today and say, are, are those people wise? Are they, are they for my good? Are they pushing me towards the thing they should push me towards? Or are they pushing me away from the things that I should be getting closer to? And if that's the case for you, obviously I'm not saying you have to forget they even exist. I think we still have to shine a light in the darkness. I understand that. But what I'm bringing up is what, whoever you would think you would answer the phrase of like who you're living life with, who are you doing life with, who, who would be those people? Those people need to be wise. Those people need to be pushing you towards the Lord because if you surround yourself with bad company, you will not run at full speed in the next year. And you won't be able to run at full speed until that changes, until you leave that behind. So that's the first thing I see uh, slowing down a bunch of people. The other thing um, I see slow people down is shame. Shame slows you down. You are not running at full speed if you are listening to the voice of shame. See, as a child of God, we are, we are children of God because God has saved us by grace through faith. What that means is you and I didn't earn it, okay? It's not we did all these good things or we did all these things and then God gave us the gift of grace. No, it's God saying, you can't earn this, so I have to give it. If not, there's no hope. I have to give this to you. That's how we can be saved. And that's exactly what God does. He gives us salvation by grace through faith. And here's what shame is. Shame is, is saying you've received grace, but then acting as if you haven't. That's what shame is. It's, it's the equivalent of, imagine having a loan with a bank, and you owe this bank $50,000. And then one day this bank calls you, you pick up the phone, and they're like, hey, we just want to let you know that today we have forgiven your debt. You no longer owe us the $50,000. And you're like, okay, great, yeah, that's a great day, okay? And then they're like, have a great day, bye, they hang up, and that's it, that's all they say. And then what you do is the next month, you still pull out your checkbook and you write a check for your monthly payment to send to the bank. That's what shame's like. 
See, if the debt has been forgiven, now what comes next is for you to live like you've been forgiven. And shame is the voice saying, no, 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 even though God said he wanted to give you this grace, you still have to pay the price for it. You still have to pay the price. You have to put your face down. You must, you must feel the pain, feel the shame. That's why it's the voice of shame. And this is not God's heart for you. He literally dies on the cross so that you cannot be condemned anymore. What God wants for you to walk into 2024 is being able to receive the good gifts that he wants to give you. Because God's not giving you good things because you earned it. God's giving you good things because he loves you. Because he loves you, because you're his child, because you're his son, because you're his daughter. And so when shame comes up in 2024, which it will, when that voice creeps in and starts telling you, no, you can't have this good thing. You can't enjoy this moment because remember that thing. Remember what you've done. Remember you're not worthy. And it pulls you back to the mistakes that we've committed in life. That's when you have to silence the voice and say, no, you're right. I'm not worthy, but God has given me grace. I have been forgiven. And then you just pray, say, God, God, help me live like I've been forgiven. Help me more and more live the fact that you and I have been forgiven. Because if you listen to the voice of shame, you will not be running at full speed. We have to take off what's weighing us down. But then there's this final thought in the passage um, that we have to talk about because shame is always gonna point us to the sins of the past. But what of the sin that hasn't been dealt with yet? And that's why the phrase is there in the verse where it tells us that we have to get rid of all the sin that entangles us. And that's the third way we can leave this year behind. We have to turn away from sin. Turn away from it. Disentangle ourselves from it. You know, there are things that are going to slow you down in this race, but sin, it will, I mean, it will just stop you dead in your tracks. It wraps itself around you in such a way that you cannot move forward. And if you've ever had that experience of like, man, I feel like from January 1st to December 31st, nothing changed. I did not move forward in my walk with God at all. What I would ask the question, is there something entangled around you? Like, is there something that's not even allowing you to move forward? And that thing would be sin. Sin is anything that doesn't align with God's design for life. Okay, God is your creator. He made you. He knows you more than anyone else. He made you. He made me. But God not only makes us, he also designs what life should be. As creator, he has that right. He gets to decide what life, what being human should be. And when we align to the things that God has designed, that's where you find the greatest joy and fulfillment as a human. But the thing is, we all have this bent and we kind of want to put our own set of rules on the table. Like, yeah, that's fine, but when I find out that I want to do something and God doesn't want me to do something, that's when it gets really interesting because that's the day you have to pick. Who are you going to worship? Are you going to worship God or are you going to worship yourself and let yourself be the one who gets to set all the rules and hear me? Every single person in this room, we all have ways we do not align with God's design. There's nothing unique about that in this room. We all have ways that we don't align with God's design, and that's called sin. And if we participate in those things, that will entangle us in it, and we won't be able to run this race. That's why the call of Scripture is to turn away from it, to say, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. That's called repentance in the Bible. It's, it's to turn away, to change the direction of your life, and to say, I want to leave that behind. Because here's the thing that's happening. The world is lying to you about sin. 
The world is telling you that sin is kind of the prize in some way. Like if you can have all the things you want in life, then you will be happy. And I'm telling you, you can gain everything in the world that you could want and you can still lose your soul because sin does not satisfy your heart. It fools you into thinking it will satisfy you. And then once it has you, it entangles itself all around you and you are the one who suffers. See, it's a lie. God's heart for us is not to withhold good things. He wants to give us all the good things. He's saying, if you embrace this sin, you will suffer. I don't want you to suffer. Please don't do it. It's not for your good. You won't be happy in the end. Get rid of it and come back to me. This is what God's saying. It's a lie that it will satisfy you. And you can spend your whole life chasing the things you want, and you might get some of the things you want, but you will miss out on what it means to be a child of God to be known, to be loved, to flourish as a human, that is only possible with God's design. He's the one who made us. He knows exactly how we're supposed to live. And so the idea of repentance is when we look at the things that we thought we cherished, and it's when we say, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I want to now align with God's design. That's what repentance is. And I can tell you this, repentance only happens with a combination of this partnership between us and God. It, it involves two things. The first thing it involves is our decision. I've never just woken up someday and be like, oh wow, suddenly I, I'm done with this temptation, this sin. I don't have it in my life. Like that's never happened to me in my life. It does involve me saying, you know what God, I want to leave this behind. But if that's all you have, you'll never make it. Like if all you have is willpower, that's not enough to be able to disentangle yourself from sin. It requires you saying, God, I want this. I want to leave it behind. But then you have to invite the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And only through the partnership with God will he give you the power to walk away from something. And that's a process. It's not just a moment in time where it's like, oh, I, I'm done today. It's a process where you invite the people of God to surround you, invite wise people around you and ask them, how can I walk through this? How can I get rid of this in my life? And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's where you will see life change for you. This is the great offer of Christianity, heart change, not just behavioral change, that your heart can actually transform into something different than what it is today. We've lived it, we've seen it. There are things that we used to love that we no longer love and that only happens because of the power of God in our lives. And that is repentance, that's the call, turn away from sin. You know, Jesus tells a story of this son, the prodigal son who takes all his inheritance and then he goes out into the world and what does he do? He spends it on all the things he wanted. And he ends up in a pigsty. And then the scripture tells us that when he came to his senses, that's when he goes back to the Father. When he came to his senses, that right there, that's repentance. It's changing your mind about what you have in front of you. He's in a pigsty eating food with animals and he realizes, I'm eating food with animals. This thing I thought I wanted ended up not being for my good and so he changes his mind and he heads back to his father's house and the scripture tells us that the father sees him from, from far off and then goes to the son to meet him at the gates. Why? Because at the gates was normally where public discourse happened at the time. 
So if the son's coming back smelling like he's been in a pigsty, you don't think there's going to be people ready to ridicule him or ready to say, hey, actually, you're not welcome here anymore. Absolutely, that's totally possible as something that's going to happen. And this is why the father runs to the gates so that when shame shows up and says, look at you now, look at what you smell like. Look at what you've done. The father says, I will embrace my son right there because shame will not have the final word. The father has the final word. And this is God's heart towards you. If you would simply say, God, I am done with this today. I am done with it. It's not what you want for me. It's not what you've prescribed. And so I leave it here today. If you do that, God's ready to say, and here I am. I've been waiting for you. Are you ready to step into that. You have, if you want to walk into 2024 with a completely new perspective, do this. Turn away from sin. Mark a moment here today and say, it's over. And it starts today. And it may not happen overnight, but it does need to start at some point. And maybe that could be right now. This is why I want us to, to mark this moment today and remember what is it that God's stirring up in our hearts? What is the call of the Holy Spirit right now for us? The, the passage tells us, leave these things, but then it doesn't just say that, right? You saw it, and fix your eyes on Jesus. The idea being this, as you walk into the next year, you have to focus on the fact that Jesus is standing at the finish line and he already gave you the example we're supposed to follow. So I want you to think about this sentence in 2024. Because Jesus made it to the end, by faith, I will make it to the end. And as soon as you hit your first hurdle in the new year, and you're like, well, I wasn't expecting this. This is much harder than I thought it was gonna be. I want you to remember this because Jesus made it to the end. By faith, I will make it to the end. So let's mark this moment today. What are we leaving behind right now? You may have noticed as you came in, there was this little business card in the seat where you uh, took a seat and it simply says this, today I'm leaving behind, and then there's a blank. So I want you to go ahead and find one of those cards for yourself. And there are pens in the seat back in front of you, or you could ask someone, you could borrow one. And here's what we're gonna do. Let me tell you what we're gonna do, and then we'll spend a couple minutes doing this together. Today I'm leaving behind. My question is, what has God put on your heart? For some of you, you maybe need to write like, thank you God that you did this this year and this was a mountaintop, but I don't wanna miss out on 24 because I'm looking back. And you just need to write that down and say that before God. For others of you, there's something weighing you down, there's something slowing you down and you can make a decision today to say, I'm taking that off. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God, I'm gonna take that off. Shame will not have the final voice in my life anymore. I will listen to the voice of the Father or I will change the people I'm surrounding myself with. You can make your choice. Or if it's something completely different, you know. What is the Spirit telling you right now? This is slowing you down. You gotta take it off. Or for others of you, this could be a moment of repentance where you say, I am leaving this behind today. That it could start right now that you would turn away from your sin and then be embraced by the Father. So I don't want you to write your name on it. You're not gonna share this with anyone today. Um, you're actually not even gonna leave with this card, okay? We're gonna leave this here today. I want you to leave something behind, but first I want you to just take a minute and just pray that. Say, Lord, what is it you're calling me to leave behind right now? Pray that, 
spend a minute writing it down and then just hold that card in your hand. You can just stay seated right here in this moment as we bring this before the Lord. Now let's stand together. You hold this card in your hand. In the Christian life, when you let something go, you're supposed to pick something up. See, because if you only let something go and you find yourself empty-handed, you will be tempted to go back and pick that thing up again. So the way we grow as disciples of Jesus is you let something go, but then you pick something up. And so I thought, what a better picture than what we're about to do here, where we're going to let go of this, but we're going to take the body and the blood of Jesus back with us. It involves letting something go, but also picking something up. So I'm going to invite our servers to come forward now. They're going to have the communion elements like they normally do every single week, and our ushers will lead you to come forward um, to receive the elements like we normally do. But they have with them a basket, and right in front of them, what I'm going to invite you to do is I want you to walk forward with this card, and I want you to leave it there. And when you leave it there, we're praying this together. We're saying, God, and this stays in 2023. And you leave that card in that basket and then you receive the elements and you go back to your seat. Then Pastor Brad will lead us in a time of communion so that that's how we end our service here on the last day of the year.
But hear the word of the Lord for us. December 31, 2023. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the example of your son, Jesus. Thank you that he's standing at that finish line. He's not far off. He can see us. He can see every step. And as we propel forward, Lord, in this race, we pray that we would fall in the footsteps of your son, that every step we would learn more of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus right now, I'm praying that this would be a day marked by repentance, that we would let go of the sin that entangles us and that we would walk into the freedom. I pray that this would be a day of breakthrough, that people would sense the things that are weighing them down just be lifted off their shoulders right now. And God, we thank you for all the mountaintops, all the awesome things you've done, but Lord, we refuse to look back. And we now look forward and say, give us eyes to see it. Give us eyes to see the mountains you want us to conquer. If you would just say the word, God, those mountains would be thrown into the sea. And so, God, I ask for new faith, that our faith would grow, that we would see the greatness of God in our own days, that we would have stories to tell our children and our children's children of the faithfulness and the wonder of God. I pray this over my brothers. I pray this over my sisters. Lord, you have been good. And this is why you are the one we praise. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You come forward now and receive these elements. my 
If you haven't already, grab your elements as we get ready to receive. You know, this morning I had an interesting moment. <laughs> during the first uh, service, Eddie started preaching. I was like, I'm ready to take some notes. And I opened my journal and it just happened to be, I wasn't keeping track, the very last page on my journal. And I went, this represents the last year of my life, right here. And go with me in your imagination, if you will, some place you like to sit, it's quiet, it's private. Imagine the Lord inviting you to that place and saying, pull out the journal that represents the year of your life. Will you give it to me? I want it. It's like, Lord, you know all that's in here? He goes, yeah, I know every bit of it. Some things in here that I need to let go of. He goes, I know. Some sin, some shame, some weights, some burdens. And he asked again, will you give it to me? He said, I'll make you a trade. You give me this and I'll give you myself. In exchange for all that your year was, I'm gonna again offer my life to you, myself to you. I said, that's a pretty good deal. Let's do it. Jesus gives us his very life in exchange for the messy, wild ups and downs. And he says, follow me again. Let me wash you again. Let me free you again from the things that would hold you back. <sighs> what an invitation. <sighs> On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Whenever you take it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together. And in the same way, after supper, he said, this cup represents the new covenant I'm making with you, my people, and I'm making it in my blood. Whenever you take it, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take it together.
This is one of those services that I, I just don't want it to end. It's just been so, so good. Pastor Eddie, thanks for breaking the word down for us, man. That was amazing. Eddie has rented an incinerator to burn all those cards. So if you want to join us, where are we doing that? Uh, in the back. Yeah, in the back. So we'll come burn those. Um, I want to invite our prayer team. That's, is that a dad joke? I just was kind of cheesy, a little corny. Yeah. So I'm a dad, though. That's the kind of jokes I tell. Um, if you're part of our prayer team, when you come down front, um, if you need prayer for anything at all, don't rush out of here. Um, you don't even have to tell us what you need prayer for. You can just say, pray for me, or, or you can. It's totally up to you. If you go out these doors and to the left, we have a place called Connect Central. Maybe you're wondering, like, what does it look like to not just attend a new life, but to be a part of this place, to like get involved? Maybe you're thinking, man, this year I want to serve in an area of our city that, that New Life Church is reaching out to. You want to be on one of those teams? We'd love to give you um, all that information. Also, don't forget, first Wednesday, it's not. It's second Wednesday. We, we, we don't often lie from the pulpit, but um, so don't come this week, but come next week. That's the 10th. Did I get it right? 10th. I got to make some nods. Thank you, Matthew. Awesome. Okay, will you open your hands? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. New Life Church, those gathered today in this building, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May his bright shining face shine upon you and give you peace that passes all understanding. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Have a great week, friends. God bless.